Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But tonight, uh, we're going to be jumping right into Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And now this is a uh, pretty familiar uh, passage of scripture, but I love it each and every time I read it. A little bit of context of where we pick up. So Jesus has just performed probably the most um, memorable um, miracle in his ministry that like even who people who don't really read the Bible know about this miracle. And that was when he fed the 5,000. Um, and so he just got done feeding the 5,000 with um, five bread and, and two fish. And so uh, after this crazy miracle, this is right where we pick up, right after that in verse uh, 45. So let's read this together. It says, immediately after this, uh, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. And while he sent the people home, um, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble. Everybody say trouble. They were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke. Here's the, here's, here's the thing about God is that, yes, he's the creator of heaven and earth. And yes, that's super intimidating to know um, that he was here before time. But when he begins to talk to you, whatever that terror was, whatever that kind of intimidation was, it brings peace to your heart. Like the, the, the voice of God is not something that brings terror to your soul. The voice of God is not something that's supposed to bring um, uh, something that uh, fearful or afraid. It's supposed to, it brings a peace. It brings something that says, I know who is with me right now. I, that's a familiar voice to me. And so he spoke to them and that terror left and he said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. And then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. Title for tonight, turn to your neighbor say, in between but not incomplete. In between, but not incomplete. With that being said, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Let's pray over service for tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight that we're here for no other reason than to just grow closer to your son. So Jesus, speak to us tonight. We're not here for words from, from man or from the world. We're here for a word from you, Jesus. So God, we thank you for every mind being open, every heart being soft ready to take in every single drop that you have for us tonight. Let us have a hunger. Let us have an expectation. Let us have, a God, an unction, God, for more of you tonight. So we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. We thank you for addiction leaving, for depression breaking. We thank you, Father, for people who might walk in with anxiety, who might walk in, Father, confused, who might walk in, God, afraid. Let them be filled with faith tonight, knowing that you are in control. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. When I was uh, 16 or 17 years old, I took a buddy and, and mine went to, with my parents, and we went to, um, uh, to North Padre. You know there's a South Padre. It's really popular. There's also North Padre. It's like near Corpus Christi. It's like not as popular. But anyways, we went to North Padre, 
island, and uh, we went there to really go fishing, to go do some shore fishing, but we brought some kayaks with us. Now, these kayaks we brought were not designed for the ocean, we later would find out. They were designed for, like, a pond, you know, and they weren't designed for anything, you know, beyond a, a small ripple of a wave, you know. They weren't designed to handle... Uh, any kind of, uh, you know, ocean waves, but we didn't know that, and we didn't care, to be honest. We just said, we just want to take these kayaks out, and so I remember we pulled up to, uh, you know, the beach, and and on this area we were at, there was this island um, about uh, a mile um, offshore, and it was called Bird Island, and uh, from a distance, this island looked uh, really cool. Like, from a distance, we saw, like, like, seemed like beach houses on there. We saw boats, you know, going all around. And so I remember me and my buddy looking at each other like, that's where the party's at over there. Like some, I don't know, but there's something like that's where we need to go. And so we got in our kayaks and we began to uh, kayak over there. It's about a mile offshore. And, and on our journey to the island, we had the, uh, the wind with us. The wind was pushing us towards the island. And so uh, it, it took a while. It took about, you know, 30 minutes to get there. But um uh, we thought the journey would be worth it, but when we got there, we quickly realized that Bird Island was no uh, party. <laughs> we got there, and it was abandoned, and we, what these beach houses we thought were cool, they were, like, empty, and, and it was kind of, like, freaky because it seemed like a ghost town on this island. So we, like, quickly were like, you know what? This place stinks. Let's get out of here. And quite literally, we found out why it's called Bird Island because there was about, like, 10,000 birds on this island. It was it was. It was weird. We were kind of afraid. So we were like, let's get out of here. So we decided to go back uh, to shore, but this time uh, the wind was against us. Um, we didn't know how big of a deal that was when you're in a small little kayak. But we quickly realized that when you are fighting 20 to 25 mile per hour winds on a little kayak uh, and you're trying to go a mile back to shore, that you're going to have a tough time of it. Because we started to paddle our way back, and, and I remember at first, you know, me and my buddy, we weren't really thinking about, like, you know, how you know, far we were going. We were just kind of talking. We were like, man, we shouldn't have done that. We wasted a bunch of time, you know. That, that island stunk. And so we were going. And I remember, like, looking back after about 10 minutes of paddling and looking back, and we are probably maybe, like, 50 yards away from Bird Island. I'm like, what? Like, dude, what's going on right now? Like, we're not moving at all. And what we quickly realized is that we were probably making about an inch every paddle. And it was going so slow, and the wind was fighting us. And, and what happened is that at first it was kind of like a joke for me. My, my buddy were kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know. But, like, about 30 minutes after that, our arms felt like they were going to fall off. And by that time, I really had the, these thoughts like, okay, this is how it's going to end. I'm going to be paddling for the rest of my life back to this island. And we were spending, it was almost uh, close to an hour in between uh, paddling, trying to paddle back to shore, fighting these high, uh, close to 30 mile per hour winds. Because this is what happened. You would think, well, why don't you all just take a break, right? Take a break and then keep on going like that. If we ever stopped paddling for half a second, we'd lose about 10 minutes of work. Because the wind would just pull us back. And so it was, it was really torture. I remember my arms feeling like they were going to fall off. And, 
And, um, and this whole time, during this whole time, my parents are on the shore freaking out during this whole time. They're like, they're like, oh my gosh, where'd they go? Apparently they didn't know, and we forgot to tell them we were going to this to Bird Island. So they're freaking out. They're about to call park rangers and stuff. But long story short, what happened is that we we're about in the middle. We're about halfway to the shore, and, and I see my, my, my dad. He's, he's yelling at us. He's yelling at us, and he's telling us something. We can't really hear him. And finally, I hear what he's saying. He's saying, get out the boat. He says, like, get out the boat. And we finally got out, and the water was about this high. <laughs> and we uh, walked the rest of the way, and it was way easier. And, but at that time, man, my arms felt like they were, they were like noodles during that whole time. But I said that because I can relate to what these uh, disciples were feeling in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Like they were in the middle of something. They were not quite to the other side. They were in the middle of a storm. They felt like they're in between. And in life, a lot of times, the best way to describe where we are in life is I'm in between right now. I'm in between jobs, or I'm in between relationships, or I'm in between, I'm in the process. I'm a student I'm in between getting ready for the next step. Like, I'm, I'm in between right now. But here's the thing. A lot of times when we are in between, it, it, it makes us feel insecure. Because it's like, I, I'm not quite there yet. Like, everybody else feels like they have made it there, but I'm not there. I, I'm still kind of in between. Uh, I, I'm not really where I, I should be. I'm not really where I'm trying to go yet. Like, I feel like I'm in between, in the middle of something. Not quite here, but not quite there. I'm, a, I'm in between, kind of like how the disciples were in between in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And see, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much or how often we try to avoid being in the middle. Uh, being in between is a lot of times involuntary. Like you will find yourself in between uh, things and in the process of things without you even trying to. Like uh, the, the middle season, the in-between season, the process season, you're always going to find yourself either building to, towards something or falling away from something. You're always going to find yourself trying to go to something next. So the in-between season is a, is a very important season. It's not a season you need to overlook or underestimate. But here's the thing is people don't celebrate you while you're in between. They don't celebrate you when you're in the process, right? People don't congratulate you like, oh, you're not there yet? Great job, right? They don't, people don't say that. They wait till you get to the other side. And they say, oh, wow, you did awesome, or wow. And some people, you know what happened? Like, like you spend years trying to do something. You finally get there and like, Where'd you come from? That was overnight success. Or they start saying things like, they're like, no, you didn't see my in-between. You didn't see when I was in the middle. You didn't see the process of what I was going through. But it's when we're in between that the enemy tries to make us feel insecure or insignificant. And, and a lot of times in those seasons, we feel invisible because we are not quite there. Nobody's patting us on the back. Nobody's recognizing us. Nobody's saying, you know, great job because we're not there yet. We're in between. But it's in the in-between seasons where I really believe that the most growth happens. It's in the in-between seasons where I really believe that God works on us the most is when we're in the middle of something. God works on us the most when we're in the middle of a battle or in the middle of, of, of our faith being tested. That is when God works the most. But the title is said like this because we're in between, yes, but we're not incomplete. We're in between. We're in the middle season. We're in something. We're not there yet, yes. That might be true, but God's not done with me yet either. 
I'm not, not going to let the enemy try to convince you and convince me that just because we're in between, that means that we're insignificant. And that means that we're not going to make it. That means that God is done with us. No. Yes, we might be in between, but we're not incomplete. God's still got something ahead of us. God is still something to push us towards to. Because the creator of heaven and earth, he will never leave us incomplete. So we're going to look over this story that we just read. I'm starting in uh, verse 45, but I'm going to look through it. And so Jesus, he just uh, fed the uh, 5,000. And like we said, right after this in verse 45, we're going to take a closer look. It said, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. And while he sent the people home, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. To me, this is a significant storyline in the, in the story we're reading because Jesus, he's the creator of heaven and earth. He's 100% he's, he's God, 100% man, yes, but he is needing time to get away from people. He needs a time to get away from the ministry. He's, he just fed 5,000 people. He could have said, okay, now it's time to write a book. Now it's time to ride this momentum. Now it's time to, you know, uh, catch this wave. No, he sent everybody home, and he went up the mountain to pray, to get some rest, to take a, a break, to take a pause. A lot of times when we're in the middle of something, we never want to stop. We never want to stop working. We never want to stop pushing. We never want to stop uh, getting in the grind. We always think, oh, what is next? What, what can I do to make and improve this situation? But what if I say the best thing you could do right now is to pause and to pray? It's to pause on whatever life has is thrown at you, to pause whatever great scheme you're thinking of in your mind. Just press pause on that and go up to the mountain and pray and get your body some rest. Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, he, he could have easily just said, I don't need to display rest. I don't need to display, you know, I am God. Why do I need to, why would I need to pray? But I think he was doing it for you and I to show us that if Jesus had to go up to the mountain and pray and rest, how much more should we need to go and pray and rest? Sometimes we get so caught up in being busy. We can be so caught caught up in trying to, right, push that, that, that cart up the mountain, trying to get to this uh, plan and idea that we have in our hearts to do. But God is, is begging you right now, press pause and pray and rest. Give your body a time to, to slow down. If Jesus needed to press pause from the, from the ministry for a little bit, how much more should you press pause from whatever you're doing for a little bit? Don't think you're past the point of rest. There's people I talk to all the time, they're stressed out, they have so much anxiety and so much fear, they, they, they feel like they're about to be burned out, and they're about to, you know, not able to even uh, feel like they want to quit. I'm saying, well, when's the last time you've, you've taken a break? When, when's the last time you've really pressed pause on everything? And it said, I just need, even if it's just five minutes, even whatever it is, just press pause and pray. Press pause and take that break and, and rest your body, rest your soul, rest your mind. Because if Jesus needed to do that, how much more should we need to do that? If Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, needed to press pause and spend time with the Father, how much more do we need to do that? To be able to get the strength that we need, the peace that we need, the, the confidence that we need, we have to press pause and pray. Y'all hearing me tonight? 
he pressed pause and he, and he rests and he was praying at the top of the mountain. And while he's praying, this is what it says in verse uh, 47, is while he's praying, um, he he sees, in, in verse 47, that late that night, he sees that the disciples were in, the, in, the, in their boat in the middle. Everybody say middle. In the middle of the lake. And that Jesus was alone on land, and he saw, everybody say saw, and he saw that they were in serious trouble. See, while Jesus was praying from the top of the mountain, just to paint the picture, he's praying from the top of the mountain, but he sees, while he's praying, he sees where the disciples are at in trouble. He saw that they were fighting the wind and the waves. He saw that they were in the middle of some. He saw that they were in between. He saw that they were in the process. He saw that, that they were obeying what Jesus told them to do, which was go to the other side of the shore. He, they, they saw that they were in the will of God, but they were having a troubled time of it. And he saw that they were in the middle. Can I just encourage you tonight that Jesus sees where you're at? He sees, he sees the struggle. He sees... Uh, the process, he sees uh, what the things and that you are in the middle of, he, he sees it. Don't, over, don't ever think that Jesus doesn't know where you're at. Matter of fact, Jesus knows you better than you. So he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly your trouble. He knows exactly your insecurities. Jesus sees where you're at. That's the first point for tonight is that we are seen in our in-between. We are seen in our in-between. A lot of times when we're in the middle of something, when we are in between something, the enemy tries to tell us that we're insignificant. Or maybe that we're invisible. That nobody sees us. God doesn't see you. God doesn't see your troubles. God doesn't see you when you're alone at night, staying up late, thinking about all the worries and all the fears. No, God sees exactly where you're at. God sees exactly what you're thinking about too. And he sees exactly what needs to happen next in your life. God sees us. God sees us. Because a lot of times what we want more, a lot of times what our flesh wants is that we want to be seen by people. We want people to see what we're doing. We want people to, to see that we're in the middle, we're in the process, we're in the, in the middle of something. Like we want, we want people to see what we're doing. We want to, people to get the, to, for us to get the satisfaction to people know that we're doing something. I wrote it down like this. Is that know that even if you aren't seen by people, know you are seen by God. Know that even when you might seem insignificant, you're thinking, well, look, I feel like I'm in such a low season. Everybody's in a high season. I feel like I'm in the middle of a, of a plan, a purpose. I feel like nobody sees me. Nobody thinks about me. Nobody thinks I'm doing great things. Nobody thinks that I'm doing important things. But let me encourage you, even if people don't see you, God sees you. Even if people won't come up to you. And pat you on the back and say, good job. Just know that God is pleased with you. Know that you don't have to be seen by man. People don't have to see you on what you're doing. And they don't have to get, and you don't have to get likes on Instagram to know you're going in the right direction. You don't have to people to come up to you and say, great job, to know you're going in the right direction. All you need is the eyes of God on you. And know to say, as, even if nobody says, good job, I know that I'm pleasing my Father in heaven. We have to understand that because if we rely on people's appreciation to get us through our situation, we will never reach or get to our destination. If we rely on people to appreciate us, because that's something I hear all the time, nobody appreciates me. They don't see what I'm doing. 
They don't see, you know, and, and they don't see how much I serve. They don't see how much I do this. They don't see how much time I, I spend on that. They don't, nobody sees me. Nobody appreciates me. And we get stuck in that middle mindset. We get stuck of saying, I'm not going to move until somebody tells me good job. I'm not going to take another step until somebody notices me. Can I tell you, you're going to be there for the rest of your life if you wait for people. If you wait for people to appreciate you, if you wait for people to congratulate you, you're never going to have that confidence to take the next step. People will fail us. There's going to be times where people won't notice you. But the Holy Spirit, God, he will always see exactly where you're at. Don't sway back and forth. Say, oh, nobody understands me. Who cares? God understands you. Don't say, oh, nobody noticed me. Who cares? God notices you. If you have that mindset of saying, you know what, I don't care. If, if nobody says good job, as long as I'm pleasing my father, that's all I need to continue what I'm doing. That's all I need to continue raising my family or being a good husband. Or that's all I need. I don't need people to pat me on the back. I just need to know that God's saying, good job, my good and faithful servant. And so it says he sees them. He saw them, and they were rowing hard and, and struggling against the waves. And it says about 3 o'clock. Everybody say 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the morning. It's early. That's or late. However you look at it. It said 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. I just kind of want to think about real quickly the, the scope of the story because really from the beginning, uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000, okay, for dinner, right, for in the evening. So they had their dinner time. And so after they ate, Jesus sends everybody away. So we can say right now if they have dinner at 6, then Jesus sent everybody away at 7 p.m. and told everybody to go back home so I could pray. So Jesus went up to the mountain at about 7 p.m., and he told the disciples to go across to the other side at 7 p.m. And I Googled this because I, I just like to find out things. It takes about uh, two hours to get to the other side of the uh, Sea of Galilee. And so if we're just connecting the dots here, this isn't in Scripture. If we're connecting the dots here, that means that the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at around 8 p.m., give or take. And so Jesus, it says in Scripture that he saw them in the middle of the storm, uh, and he saw them. And so we can say that if they were in the middle, it was around 8 p.m., but Jesus didn't go towards them or didn't go and to save them or walk on water to be seen by them until 3 in the morning. That's about, you know, what, five hours or longer? Thank you. Eight hours. I'm trying to do it in my head. Don't do, don't do math in your head when you're speaking, okay? This is a, this a, this a word of uh, advice. So it's been a long time. That's the point. It was a long time. Because a lot of times, like, Jesus, what's the point? Like, Jesus, why did you wait that long? Like, Jesus, why didn't you, why didn't you save them before the storm? You knew the storm was on the way. Why didn't you intervene before they had to go in between? Why, right? Why, why didn't you just make it so quick? Why did you have to wait so long? Why, God, why didn't you just, you knew what was going to happen. You told him to go across the sea. You, you know everything. So why would you wait that long and allow them to struggle, allow them to get into this place of, of, of pushing and not knowing if they're going to get, why would you allow that? There's so many times in my life I have this same question of Jesus. I just look up, it's like, why'd you allow this? You know, right? Like, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm in between something. I'm in between a, you know, rock and a hard place right now. I'm in a tough season in my life. God, why are you letting this happen? Why don't you just save me from this like this? Why don't you just, God, just take me out of this place and bring me to the other side so quickly? Why do I have to go through this process? 
Because it wasn't until after hours of rowing in the middle of the storm and fighting the wind and the waves and fearing for their lives, they probably thought, they probably had the same idea. They just got done watching Jesus feed 5,000 people, and now they're about to die in the middle of the Sea of Galilee after listening to the same person tell them to do that. And they're thinking, what's going on? They're in the middle of the sea, and they're asking Jesus, where is he at? Where is he at? I believe because it's for point two for tonight is that the in-between builds integrity. The in-between builds integrity. I believe that the storm kind of humbles us sometimes. I believe going through something shows us that we need something more than what we offer. I think when we go through a tough season, it reminds us that we can't do life on our own. It reminds us that I can't rely on my own strength because if I did, I would never have made out of that battle. I've never made it out of that storm. I need Jesus in my life. I think Jesus sends the storm so that way he can remind us that he's the one who steals the storm. I think Jesus sometimes sends the battle so he can remind us that he's the one who has the victory. It's not us. We don't have the power nor the strength, but, but Jesus does. And so he reminds us that of it. He, he builds that integrity on the inside of us to know that we can't make it out of the storm on our own. It wouldn't matter how much we paddle, kind of crazy thing about the story I open up with. We realize that, like, literally after five minutes after us making it back to the shore and walking back, five minutes after that, a huge um, cargo uh, boat, like huge, went through that straight little thing that we just came through. Huge. And I was like, bro, if we were still out there, <laughs> there is no way that thing would have seen us. I mean, oh, it's huge. Anyone know those huge cargo, you know, ships? And we were huge. I was like, we had a little kayak. <laughs> that thing would have this, like, nobody would have ever seen us again. If we would have just relied on our own strength, like, we would have still been there. Jesus wants to remind us that of that sometimes. That if you just rely on your own strength, you're not going to make it out of the storm. If you just rely on your own know-how, because sometimes we think we can get really good at this thing called life. Sometimes we think we can get really good and, you know, get things figured out and really think we have this whole faith thing figured out and whole, whole, whole Christian thing filled out, right? We think we all figure it out, and all of a sudden, we're in a storm. And then Jesus reminds us, no, 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 you still need me. No, 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 if, no, I'm the one who gives you strength, not knowledge. Knowledge doesn't give you strength. I give you strength. I'm the one who equips you. I'm the one who, who gets you out of, that, of the battle and gives you victory. Because, see, the goal of the enemy is for us to get in the middle and the in-between and for us to think that if we're going to get out of here, it's because of our own strength. That if we're going to get out of here, it's because we're going to get out of here. And we begin to get this thought or this mindset, and we try to fight everything on our own. And we try to figure it out all on our own. We don't ask for help. We don't pray about help. We say, hey, if I'm going to get out of this trouble, it's going to be my own strength. And that's how we get stuck in the in-between. That's how we get stuck in the middle. Because they were rolling for hours and not making any progress until Jesus showed up. So the goal of the enemy is for us to get stuck in the middle. But the in-between is what builds integrity in our lives. Because who knows, the process makes the promise way more sweeter. The process of things makes when you get to the promise so much more valuable in your life because your, pro your promise is not meant to be cheap. Your promise will not come cheaply. It won't come instantly. It won't come without any sacrifice. It won't come without you having to persevere for it because if it did, who knows cheap things, you, you don't appreciate them. If you get something for free 
you totally forget that you even own it, right? Like, has you ever gotten something, somebody's given you something, and then, like, you're, you're, like it, you lose it or you don't have it, and you're like, I'm fine. I got it for free anyways. But you know those possessions we had that we paid a lot of money for, and you know exactly where those things are. You know exactly, you know, uh, you want to take care of it because you paid, a, you paid a price for it. Jesus wants the same thing for our promise and our purpose. We paid a price for it. We had to go through a process for it. So that, way, that is why we value it. God doesn't want our purpose to come cheaply. He wants us to be able to value it. That's why we have to go through the storms at times. And as we continue, it says that Jesus, he's walking on the water right now in verse 48. But he says he intended to go past him. He intended to go past him. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost thinking he was a ghost. Jesus is walking past them. The, the savior of the world, the savior of their storm, is walking past them and they almost missed it. Is walking past them and they almost missed it. I believe there are times in our life where we miss the savior for the storm. We, we miss what is supposed to give us strength and we miss it because we're too focused on the storm. We're too focused on our problems. We're too focused on God. I don't got time for you right now because don't you see what I'm dealing with? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see I need this and I need that? I don't got time to spend. I don't got time to go to church. And we miss the Savior for the storm. And we say, God, why did you send the storm? God, why? But God is trying to give us strength right now. Because see, what we talk about, God sees us. But do we see him? Now, this isn't in Scripture well, it does says that Jesus was intending to pass him by. You know, I think, I believe that that wasn't the first time that Jesus passed him by. I think Jesus was kind of just walking around, you know, just walking around him. And they're so focused on the storm, like, oh, 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 and he's just been, like walking circles around him, you know. And then finally they're like, Jesus, you know, and then finally they look up. Jesus sees us, but do we see him? Jesus sees where we're at, but do we? Do we see him or are we missing it because of storm? Are we missing it because of our problems? Are we missing it because there's all these distractions around us? Are we missing our Savior for the storm? But what broke it is that finally somebody, I don't know who said it, but finally somebody, even if because it was out of a shout of tears, they even somebody said, look, it's Jesus. And at first they were afraid, but once they heard, once they heard Jesus speak, then they brought calming to their souls but some but sometimes we just have to even when we're in the middle of the storm we just have to shout Jesus even when we're in the middle of our problem we just have to shout Jesus even when there's things that we have no idea we just gotta shout the name of Jesus there's been times in my life I didn't know what to say but I knew one name and his name is Jesus and I let out that name and although I was afraid when Jesus began to speak to me he calmed my soul. He calmed my spirit. He said, it's okay. He said, yes, there's a storm, but I'm here with you in the storm. See, it doesn't matter what we find ourselves in. We always have to look for Jesus. And it says in verse 40, he said, they were all afraid when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them, and he said at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Take courage. I am here. You know, there's, what makes me, like, Jesus tells them to go to the other side. 
They go to the other side. They're in God's will. Because sometimes we say, I'm in a storm because, you know, I must be outside of God's will. I'm in a storm, right? Oh, I, I'm in a problem, so that must mean I'm doing something wrong. And so we, we, we let that intimidate us. We let storms intimidate us. We let problems t- tell us to, to, uh, to take a step back and not a step forward. But Jesus said, I'm here. Don't be afraid. He said, I'm here, and don't be afraid. And at that moment, the, the storm didn't calm. The storm was still around him, but he said, I'm here. Don't be afraid. But then it says in verse 41 or 51, he said, then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. It wasn't until he climbed into their situation. It wasn't until they climbed into the boat. It wasn't when they first saw him. It wasn't when he first spoke. It was when he first got into the same uh, space as them is when the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed. They were amazed at these miracles of this man. They were amazed at the power that this man held. It says in Scripture when, when Jesus told the, the, the wind and the waves to stop, they said, who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obey his command. Jesus gets into the boat with them. And he does the impossible. He gets into the boat with them and he does the impossible. Not only is he walking on water, you know, but he also calms the winds and the waves. It's, but it was in the in-between because there wouldn't be no miracle if, there wasn't, if they weren't in a messy situation. Jesus wouldn't have had to walk on water. He wouldn't have calmed the storm if there wasn't no storm. But because they were in the in-between, because they were in a, in a situation, in a problem, maybe in a battle, you might find yourself, I'm in a battle, I'm, I'm in a storm. But because they were in a storm, Jesus was able to do the impossible. Point number three for tonight is that the in-between is where Jesus does the impossible. The in-between is where Jesus does the impossible. Jesus will not do a miracle if there's no need for a miracle. Jesus will not clean up your mess if you're not in a mess. Jesus will not provide something for you if you don't need provision. There's a storm, and that's why God was able to calm it. If there was no storm, there would be no calming. But Jesus, it's in the in-between where Jesus does the impossible. It's been the situations in my life where, where I felt like the world was against me, where I was in the worst situation. That is where Jesus showed up the most. That is where Jesus did the most impossible things in my life was when I thought there was no hope. It's when Jesus instilled all the hope I could ever ask for. It's in the in-between where Jesus does the impossible. Can you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. I want to close with Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. Now this is David talking seeing him, however you want to look at him. And he's on the run from his son. You know, it's one thing to uh, be on the run from, from somebody who has something against you, be on the run from somebody who, who has always hold a grudge against you, but he's on the run from his own flesh and blood, and his son Absalom is, on a, is, is hunting him down like a dog. He, his own son is trying to kill him and take away the kingdom that God gave to David. And this is what David says in Psalms 3, verse 1. He said, oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. You know, it's been in the moments when I felt at my lowest that the enemy gets his loudest. Where he says, look, God ain't coming through this time. You're in a deep like you're in trouble. 
God ain't coming through. God ain't gonna, God doesn't have the capability to get you out of this one, but don't ever let the enemy convince you that you're in a storm that you can't be saved from. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're in so much deep trouble that there is no point of even coming to church. There's no point of even trying to call on the name of Jesus because you're in too much trouble. You made too many mistakes. But in verse 3, David says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. He said, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety. For the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. There's going to be times we feel like the world's against us. We're going to look to our left and to our right, and we're going to feel like so many things have been surrounding us, like we're in the middle of something that we can't get out of. But it's in those moments where Jesus has something he's ready in store for us, where he said in verse 7, he says, Arise, O Lord, rescue me. Everybody say, rescue me. He said, rescue me, my God. He said, slap all my enemies. Always makes me laugh. He said, slap all my enemies. He's pretty specific. You know he was talking about his son. He's like, don't, don't hit him. Just slap him. <laughs> slap all my enemies in the face. Shout the teeth of the wicked. But he said, victory comes from you, O Lord. It doesn't matter the storm we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter the battle. It doesn't matter what the, what, maybe you have these thoughts. Maybe you have these insecurities that's telling you you're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to get out of that relationship. You're never going to get out of the, the problem you find yourself in. But God wants to tell you something tonight and that the victory comes from him. He's the one who's going to give you the victory in the midst of a battle. He's the one who's going to calm the storm. He's the one that's going to make the impossible happen. It's not going to be by our strength. It's not going to be by our know-how. But it's going to be because Jesus loves us so much that he's not going to leave us there. He's not going to strain us there. That's, that's the point I want to close with tonight is that Jesus will never leave us stranded in a storm. Jesus will never leave us stranded in a storm. Jesus will never forsake us. He will never leave us. There will never be a time where you will find yourself left behind by the Spirit of God. There will never be a time where you will find yourself where Jesus will not answer your call. Anytime we are ever in the midst of a battle, if we just say the name of Jesus, he is there with us. Anytime we're in a storm, anytime we're in something that we can't overcome on our own, when we just say the name of Jesus, he is there with us. I find comfort and I find peace that people might forsake me, the world might come against me, but Jesus will always be with me. God will always be by my side. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the struggle. We always have a Savior in Jesus. Come on, every head bow, eyes close. I just want to pray tonight. You might be in this place and say, I'm in a storm. I'm in a battle. I'm in between. I, I feel insignificant, invisible. I feel like I haven't made any progress. Like I've been fighting the wind and the waves that I still find myself with the same problems. I, I still find myself with the same issues. I feel like I'm never going to get out of, the, of this 
problem, out of this debt, out of this situation, out of all this bitterness. But Jesus wants to tell you something tonight is that even when nobody sees you, he sees you. Even when nobody will be there with you, he will be in a boat with you. So Jesus, right now, encourage us, Father. We thank you that it doesn't matter what struggle we are in. It doesn't matter what storm we are in. It doesn't matter what battle we are in. God, the victory will come from you. The victory will come from the name of Jesus, not from the name of Caleb, not from the name of any man, not from the name of any politician. It won't be any other thing that this world has to offer. It will only come from the Spirit of God that will strengthen us and give us the power to continue through the storm. So God, we pray right now, Father, wherever situation we are in, whatever storm we find ourselves in, God, give us the strength to keep on rowing. Give us the strength to keep on going. Give us the strength to not stop praying, to not stop coming to church, to not stop giving praise, to not stop saying, Jesus, I need you. Let us, Father, not ever have that thought to think that you have left us or forsaken us, God, but let us always stand firmly on the truth that you will never leave us, that you always be here for us. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what the enemy's trying to convince us of. If we just call upon the name of Jesus, we will see you walk on water. We're going to see you calm the waves. We're going to see you calm the wind, calm our anxiety, calm our depression, calm any kind of fear that we may have. Just upon the calling of the name of Jesus, you will be here in the midst of us. You will be here in the midst of us. Father, come into this place. Oh, what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to do is just give Him praise where we're at. Just to give Him worship where we are at. Even if you find yourself in a storm, begin to give Jesus praise like you're out of the storm. Even if you find yourself, you say, no, nope, yo, Pastor CJ, I'm in an impossible situation. Well, it's a good thing you got Jesus with you because He makes the impossible possible. So we give Him, give Him praise for it. And let's sing together. Let's give Him worship. Let's never think that we're here alone or think that we're insignificant. But we are significant in the eyes of God. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.